Welcome to Canadian Defence Focus from CDR Radio, produced by Canadian Defence Review Magazine. This series of podcasts features interviews with leaders and experts in the defence industry, as well as reports and profiles on the very latest in defence technology. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the CDR Radio podcast. I'm James Carolus, Ottawa Bureau Chief with Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. This time on the CDR Radio podcast, we're speaking with Dr. George Pelicaris. He is President and CEO of Meta Materials. Meta produces high-precision thin-film coatings, optics, and holographic lithographic gratings, and optical mechanical assemblies for ultraviolet, visible, and infrared light applications. Hi, George. Welcome to the CDR Radio podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's start. Please tell us about Metamaterials. What do you do as a company? So Metamaterials, since its inception, has been a designer, later on became a developer, and today we are a manufacturer of high-performance functional materials, nanostructured films, components, and devices. And what we do really with those films is we basically deliver previously unachievable performance. So our applications are breakthrough. Our record for the company is a 40X, 40X improvement in an optical coating that we created. But our systems and our technologies are relevant to a range of applications, aerospace and defense being the most important customer. Our core business has been founded around aerospace and defense. That's where we prove ourselves before going into other adjacent markets. So what is the history behind Meta? So Meta has uh, started uh, in about uh, 2011 as a design house. We developed uh, AI design tools, which were able to produce new libraries of uh, materials much faster and less expensively than traditional chemical synthesis. So unlike basically stepping into the laboratory where you do trial and error if you're a chemical company, uh, we used basically a computer, an engineer, and a lot of code to predict the performance of a new material before we even make it. And metamaterials have been demonstrated in laboratories for decades, but uh, there has not been any volume production supply chain. So when we started producing them, we found that the semiconductor industry could actually make them with nanoscale precision, but the production on wafers was too costly. So about uh, three, four years in with our first customer and partner, which was Airbus, on the first application, which was laser eye protection, we basically started uh, reaching kind of a dead end, whether it was the semiconductor industry, they could really not make the optics at the scale, which was a aircraft window, or the cost which was about $100,000 a square meter at the time, that would make it affordable for any, even the aerospace industry. Maybe even NASA could not afford the stuff. So we turned to uh, look into the chemistry side where you say, well, can the bulk or specialty manufacturers help us? Uh, They could do very large, low-cost volumes, but this is around 2014. They couldn't really reach the semiconductor accuracy that, is what basically metamaterials are known for, that performance increase. So 
we positioned the company. We basically since then pursued the development and acquisition of proprietary fabrication and production technologies. For example, in 2016, Meta acquired a, a developer of what's called a rolling mask lithography tool. And in 2022, we installed the first pilot line, which was uh, basically a roll-to-roll line, spent you know over $10 million to develop these uh, films. And scaling the web width and the line speed basically is uh, where we have started driving the cost down to sub $10 per square meter. And so with this, using also an additional uh, strategy, we acquired a company in Canada called Nanotech Security. We added additional tools, a production facility that was in October 2011. Uh, That's a deal that we did just as we entered NASDAQ and basically added a 110,000 square foot facility in Quebec. A lot of us uh, uh, basically manufacturing skills and also some R&D technology and equipment that we have now about, I would say, 200 people in the team with uh, 510 or so patents of our innovative products. We have uh, listed the company of the NASDAQ in uh, uh, June 2021. And so we have been since uh, executing our strategy to to bring these products to the market. Okay, let's talk about your work in high-precision thin coatings and other related products. What precisely do they do? And most importantly for our listeners, what do they offer to the defense sector? So our uh, products, as I mentioned, um, we started in aerospace and defense. So the first uh, group of uh, technologies was uh, what we call holography. So holography has been able to block or reflect light by recording many overlapping layers into the thickness of this transparent photosensitive materials. So our first major customer, which was Airbus, wanted to block laser strikes on commercial aircraft. And those solutions that we built was basically, we invented a new fabrication technique that was much faster and much cheaper over large areas. And what we call direct laser scanning techniques. So our holographic uh, technology became something that was very inexpensive, but offered aerospace and I would say military scale uh, performance. Today, with this technology, we have uh, commercialized the first ever OEM approved by Airbus and the Airport Authority of France laser eye protection. The innovation there was not to block the laser, but it was to make all the colors look the same. So you had the red, the green, and the blue. And if you think about it, when you fly a plane, if you're a pilot, you take cues from your instruments, you take cues from the runway lights. So imagine putting a filter on your eyes or your windows, and then the filter changes the colors. That's not a a good thing. It would create more risk than solutions against lasers. The reason why I'm mentioning that is that this is the first ever you know application and the first ever showcase where nanotechnology is something that you can tailor so much that you not only get the benefit, which is blocking the laser, but you get a second important benefit is not to change your operation or add additional risk. And that was the the real innovation. That's the real value of nanotechnology. So that was the optics. And since then, we also worked in lithography, as I mentioned. In there, there's another transparent material, but we have used uh, metal 
patterns on a basically creating a transparent invisible grid on flexible substrates. So this is another film. So Meta patented this uh, technology to produce sub-micron lines that are basically invisible to the eye and offering the best combination of high transparency and high conductivity compared to any alternative transparent conductive films and coatings. And the application segments here in the aerospace side uh, included EMI shielding. So one of our customers was Boeing on this uh, first application, creating transparent antennas that are invisible, and you can basically blend them into windows or other lightweight UAVs, etc. And basically using them also for 5G communications, which is becoming a very hot topic in the military as well. So the EMI, just to give you an example here, we work with Boeing. Um, we had to reach a very high level of shielding that had never been previously achieved. They required five nines of uh, blockage. The next best, let's say, record for transparent materials was about three nines. So we had to deliver two orders of magnitude more shielding effectiveness, and we did. And since then, you know, we have been uh, selling that technology into other adjacent markets that are consumer-related. So really pushing the boundary of what materials can offer and basically getting the associated, let's say, production techniques to be able to bring forward um, innovations. The final thing that I wanted to mention here is kind of the future. So this is kind of the first two verticals that I mentioned have been ongoing. So going forward in the future, we started looking at some of the biggest challenges in batteries, you know, EV batteries, electric vehicles are powered by lithium ion. They have serious problems, they catch fires. And so we looked at a number of uh, innovations in that uh, space and acquired two technologies. Uh, we basically started investing in that material. It's a film again, surprise, surprise, but these films now offer additional advantages. Number one, the ability to prevent fires inside the cell uh, by using a nanoceramic material that basically allows the, the battery to uh, not reach critical, let's say, failure points. Uh, we have uh, showed this for the first time at the last CANSEC event this year. It was wildly successful. We had a lot of interest uh, from aerospace and defense companies including some interesting uh, new leads from the submarine manufacturing and space type application. So deep undersea, up in space where fires are basically a death sentence. You cannot really have any of those risks. And so by having a, a battery that's safe, it opens up new uh, horizons, new applications in the, the most critical missions that previously were not possible. And when you look at the next uh, piece, uh, we also had a little teaser at CANSEC. We had a little drone one of our partners um, has uh, produced. But the real uh, technology that we are starting to kind of uh, build up and uh, release later in the year is an electro-optical, an EO, not IR technology. That's uh, the world's first gigapixel sensor array that is AI-enabled. And this uh, offers real-time video capture and analysis. Uh, I can't talk too much about this right now, but this basically is there's no other 
available platform like this offering a combination of high-resolution persistence, wide-area coverage, and multi-object tracking and analysis. So we feel that this technology combines some of the best things that we have done in the last 10 years. It's not just a gigapixel camera because it goes on a drone. You need to put in uh, some of our materials for optics, our coatings, even batteries in that kind of uh, drone system. So it uh, kind of represents some of the best technology we have done as as a platform. And then, of course, the, the camera uh, is is really, really advanced. That sounds extremely impressive. So what are the biggest challenges in getting products like these to the market? Bringing metamaterials and generally nanotechnology-based breakthrough innovations to the market. You know, aerospace and defense applications are very challenging. They have a lot of regulatory requirements. So there's significant challenges. In a way, we choose aerospace and defense because, like I said, it's the proven ground. If you can show the value there, it becomes much easier to transfer these technologies at massive scales further down, and you have proof that they work. So let's start with the first item that's challenging. It's The technology is complex. So the things that we do have high complexity and require a lot of expertise that's specialized, also infrastructure, fabrication, testing, etc. So that means that we need to work very closely with our partners and customers because we design things and invent manufacturing processes. And even to characterize these materials, sometimes there's never been a testing technology to test at that level. When you add another nine and your instrument is not sensitive enough, well, you have to invent new ways to measure them. So all of these become uh, technical challenges that we need to overcome. And the good news here is that we have gone through this kind of process a few times already with aerospace partners that are very committed to help us. The second thing is the cost and the scalability. So as I mentioned in the beginning, we were a design house initially, and uh, the industry, the suppliers that were out there, especially in the semiconductors industry, were charging us an arm and a leg, not because we were buying low volume, that's some people may think, oh, well, aerospace is low volume, therefore it's expensive. That's not the case with us. Our materials were, as I mentioned, complex. It would take about 24 hours to coat one of our, let's say, solutions because the semiconductor machine that our supplier had is just built for a reduced complexity material. So what we created in-house to solve for that we invented a process that could do the same quality at a fraction of the time, so 10 minutes. So if you compare the 24 hours to the 10 minutes, I mean, this is a massive increase in efficiency, which drops the price also significantly. So the scalability and scaling production while maintaining quality and cost effectiveness can be a significant challenge. And therefore you have to think about economies of scale downstream and how do you reduce cost through advanced manufacturing techniques so that you can achieve widespread adoption? And that's what has been the focus of our company in the last uh, couple of years, investing in uh, uh, scalable tools, basically roll-to-roll, especially things that have never been done before in this uh, kind of level of uh, quality. We're kind of breaking through further and further into that uh, cost and scalability uh, challenge. And the next thing is regulatory and safety. So, you know, as most people know, obviously any product in aerospace and defense involves very strict uh, regulations and safety standards. 
So bringing new materials and these technologies to aerospace and defense requires compliance. You have to be AS9100. Sometimes you have to be control goods compliant, ITAR, etc. So you have to understand the framework that you're in. And meeting these standards can involve, you know, a lot of testing and certification processes like we've been through this a few times. So that adds more time and more cost to the development cycle. Again, this is necessary if you're going to be in this business, but the additional challenge here is innovation. So again, if you have a new product that has never behaved like this before, even some of our regulatory partners start to scratch their heads and say, okay, how do we test this? They have the standards. Sometimes they have to be a little bit creative to make sure that we don't miss a step. The next challenge is um, integration and compatibility. So integrating our new materials into existing aerospace and defense systems also is complex. And this is true for, you know, if we are in the automotive industry or some other adjacent market. So the compatibility is where we work very closely with our partners and customers to make sure that when we offer the solution to them, it fits with their processes and making sure that, again, testing, validation, and customization has to be done to make sure that it's a it's seamless when we offer the material, they can put it on theirs, on their product and make it work right the first time. In essence, we don't make the customer's product, we just make it much, much better. It's an enabling technology. So if they wanna push the performance of existing products, that's where you know that takes some time to, to figure out how to do it in, in scale. The next piece that's a challenge is uh, performance and durability. You know, again, aerospace and defense applications demand high performance materials and systems that can withstand extreme conditions. Imagine, you know, cold starts of uh, of uh, the aurora at minus 40 degrees C or a cold start of uh, a Sea King or uh, an F-35. All these things become very challenging when you're in Canada, especially in the north. And so we have to basically test and meet and exceed the performance requirements. And we have to demonstrate the long-term durability. And that's, again, a challenge. But we have test partners uh, locally and across uh, Canada. Canada is a fantastic place to do this kind of development. You have support from both academia, which we have worked extensively with, but also national labs like the NRC in Ottawa or other places. Um, and of course there's national certification partners that will do all the you know testing, whether it's vibration, radiation, mechanical, et cetera. But again, you have to go through the hoops. And finally, you know, if you look at industry and collaboration, that's you know another big piece. You know, you collaborate with industry partners. This is vital, you know, to overcome whatever challenges come to these new technologies. Uh, we have been working with uh, Lockheed Martin uh, from 2017 for a five-year program that was new. And that uh, collaboration, you know, when you start working directly with the fellows and the technical team that these large corporations have, takes you to another level. We are a small company. We need to be basically grounded alongside basically the the partners that understand the industry, understand their product and understand the value that our product can add to their product. So that industry collaboration sometimes is a challenge when you're in Canada or they're in a, in Bethesda or they're in, in the States, 
especially the core R&D teams, have to be collaborating closer. And that becomes, you know, communication as part of the the expectations and setting up milestones uh, and roadmaps. So it's kind of a, a long story here. I, I added a number of factors, but you can see this is innovation in order to happen. And people see a new product that hits the market. It's like, wow, this is amazing. But there's so many things that can go wrong. And statistically, it's probably when you're setting out, you're probably going to fail. Uh, the chances are stacked against you, but you have to kind of keep uh, moving step by step and then solving for those issues. So who is using your products in the defense sector today? So unfortunately, I cannot name some of the products are under um, strict confidentiality. I have mentioned a few names today that are public, like public collaborations and partnerships. We have had uh, also investments uh, through ITB proposals, uh, like uh, Babcock has invested in us, Lockheed and Airbus have, have both invested in us. And uh, one of the things that um, I'm very proud of is basically we have done a lot of, uh, basically of the, the groundwork to make sure that uh, we are offering capabilities that extend the operational advantage of uh, our country and basically extending that collaboration in the areas that we are also present. So we have a UK operation, we have a US operation, uh, we're you know, US listed. So the five eyes are very important for us. Uh, we have uh, basically a roadmap. Unfortunately, I cannot share too much about uh, the customers and the products. Well, the final question, what is Meta working on for the future? Yeah, so one of the exciting things um, for us right now is the battery technology development, trying to advance battery safety and promote uh, basically more efficient batteries. So that's a, a big piece of our focus area. And the second piece is our basically our gigapixel camera capability. With those two things, we are planning to show a little bit more on uh, the roadmaps and the, the technical milestones later this year. So we're going to be exhibiting and we are sponsoring DEFSEC Atlantic in Halifax, which is our home ground. So I would invite your readers and people, especially in Canada, who um, will be around to basically come and visit our booth. We have also plans to showcase uh, a lot of our next generation products at the Dubai Air Show, which happens about a month after DEFSEC. With that, basically, we have a, a roadmap for some of these new products. And on the existing product line, we're working also on second generation or third generation uh, product offerings. Uh, one of the things that uh, I should mention is that we are also, it's kind of related to security overall. Uh, we have an authentication business. So brand protection is becoming more important, especially with uh, AI and chat GPT and all these technologies. One of the challenges is like, how do you know um, that somebody is uh, basically the real person or the real authentic, basically, brand. There's a lot of uh, things like deep fakes and stuff like that. And, you know, we are trying to see how uh, the physical world with authentication, basically a, a security uh, foil, a security film, can be added as add-on value to protect brand or authenticate uh, government ID documents, contracts, etc. As as the world is evolving more and more 
into AI, there's going to be significant challenges uh, for cybersecurity, but on a different level. You know, copyright becomes an issue. There's going to be a number of things that will be not obvious today. And uh, we believe that physical security, whether it's a, an authentication uh, film or protecting your assets through AI that basically has a physical kind of uh, barrier becomes a, a, a big topic. I know that there's a lot of discussions in Ottawa and elsewhere on these topics. Uh, so we, we will be showcasing some of our innovations as we move forward. Okay. Well, thank you, George, for talking to us today. It's been uh, great to answer your questions and uh, looking forward to our next discussion. You've been listening to the latest in the CDR Radio podcast series. They are produced by Canadian Defence Review, Canada's leading defence magazine. I've been speaking with Dr. George Pelicaris, President and CEO of Meta Materials. To hear more CDR Radio podcasts, go to CanadianDefenseReview.com or find us on iTunes and Google Play under CDR Radio. I'm James Careless. Thank you for listening to the CDR Radio podcast. Talk to you again next time. Tune in next time for another Canadian Defence Focus podcast from CDR Radio.